anybody feel like this lately? Like when you look out at the world, it doesn't seem like anything is fair, right? The, the people who are doing good things are getting further behind and the people who are just doing all kinds of things to make the next dollar or get more power, they seem to be getting really far ahead. Anybody look out at the world and think that lately? Think things just aren't fair? How about this? How about this? Has anybody looked out at the world and said things just seem so unclear? So maybe they feel unfair, they look unfair, but I don't really honestly know what to do about it. I don't know what the right decision is or what the wrong decision is anymore. And to be really honest with you, I'm tired of having to decide between the right and the wrong decision. Anybody felt like that lately? In this next message series for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the power of clarity. We make hundreds of decisions every single day. And we are worn out. We are absolutely a worn out people because we no longer have clarity to make those decisions. There is so much other stuff coming at us, circumstances that are, that are just controlling like so much of our lives that we don't feel like we have any clarity in life. And God wants to give us clarity about our next steps because in clarity we can take those next steps with true power. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at the book of Habakkuk. But um, as we're talking about clarity and the power of clarity, I, I was reminded this week of a time when I really lacked clarity in my own life. So when we were living in Nashville, Tennessee, Chris was a youth pastor and he asked me to be a chaperone for a youth snow ski trip. And I said yes, and when I got there, he also asked me to drive one of three vans full of children from Nashville, Tennessee to Beckley, West Virginia. We left at 5.30 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, um, which is not a great time to leave, and we drove through the night to Beckley, West Virginia. It was supposed to be about a five- or six-hour trip. It was longer because I'm going to tell you what happened. First of all, Chris puts all the middle school students on my van, so all the kids who'd never been on a ski trip before were in my van. I'll let you guess how that went. How, how much quiet time do you think there was on my van? There was zero. I was like, Surely they'll fall asleep. They've been at school all day. No, they talked the entire time. To make matters even better, and I've already emailed Fletcher, and I told him I was going to talk about him in the service in case he was listening online today. Fletch, he sits Fletcher right behind me. Like, literally, I'm driving, and Fletcher's, like, in this seat right here. And Fletcher's a brilliant kid. He's doing amazing things in college right now. He's awesome. But usually brilliant kids ask nine bazillion questions, and he never stopped asking me questions or talking to me the whole trip. So we stop, we eat dinner. I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and I'm just going to sit there for a few minutes, get a break from these kids, and we'll try the next three hours of this trip. So we're, it's like 10 o'clock at night. We're a little behind because we've ran into traffic. We go through this bridge from Virginia into West Virginia, through this tunnel, not a bridge, through this tunnel, and we get out on the tunnel of the tunnel, and the temperature gauge on the um, van, the temperature thing says it's 19 degrees and every couple miles it's falling and snow is starting to happen. So at first when we get out of the tunnel it's just like a little bit of snow. Then all of a sudden it's like a blizzard condition and Fletcher doesn't notice that I can't see and I'm driving 15 miles an hour on the interstate that it's completely white and so he's still asking all of these questions and I've got all these other people's kids in my van. I'm like it's snowing. It's 16 degrees outside. I'm like gripping the steering wheel. I'm like nervous and anxious just telling y'all about 
about it. It was such a fearful experience. And I finally was like, Fletcher, stop talking. No one's allowed to talk until we get to the hotel safely. No one speak. And um, I apologize later for like losing my temper there. But I was just nervous. But if I'm honest, if I'm really honest with y'all, this is about how life has felt the last couple years. Like I am holding on for with just everything I have to a steering wheel filled with a van full of other people's precious cargo, with a church that God's asked me to lead, with children God's asked me to parent, with friends and community that I care for, with grandparents who love my children and who love me. I've got a van full of people asking me questions and telling me their opinions, and I'm supposed to drive this van somewhere in Beckley, West Virginia, to safety, and I can't see. It's spitting snow, and I can't see the road clearly. It's freezing to the windshield, and the windshield wipers aren't working anymore, and I feel like I'm traveling at a crawl. I don't like to crawl. I like to get to where I'm supposed to be going. That is how my life has felt lately. There is no clarity and there is no way to get to whatever destination I'm supposed to get to. Anybody else felt like that lately? Your job feels like that. You're going into work every single day and you feel like you're at a crawl. Like, what's my purpose here, God? I need a little bit of clarity. Let me tell you some ways that you might recognize you're lacking clarity in your own life. Because I've recognized this week I'm beginning to lack clarity in my life. The first is that you constantly change your mind. You constantly are changing your mind. So you make a decision and then you question. The second thing is you question yourself. So you change your mind or you question every single decision that you make. Am I making the right decision? Am I doing the right thing that I'm supposed to do? The third thing is you are overwhelmed by too much to do. That means you are lacking clarity around your priorities because you don't know what you need to prioritize anymore. You are lacking clarity if every single second of your day is planned and even seconds that you don't have are planned. If you are overwhelmed by too much to do, there's a lack of clarity in your life. If you're struggling with even minor decisions, like am I going to eat, what am I going to eat, what am I going to wear, those, if you are overwhelmed by those minor decisions, you are probably lacking clarity around your purpose and your priorities in your life. If you are chronically disorganized, lethargic, or um, distracted, I'm always distracted, right? Um, then you are probably lacking some clarity around your purpose and your priorities. And this message series is going to be about God helping you to get some clarity in your life. If you are constantly stressed out, anxious, and overwhelmed, you are lacking clarity. If you feel like you are holding tight to a steering wheel full of precious cargo behind you and you can't see ahead of yourself, you are probably lacking clarity. If every time you need to make a decision, you're picking up the phone and calling three other people to get their input, if you're relying on everyone else to tell you what decision to make, you may be lacking clarity in your life. You may be lacking clarity in your life. There was a guy named Habakkuk. Um, he is one of 12, and I pulled my uh, thing out of it, my ribbon out of it, so now y'all are going to get my how good I am at knowing the uh, order of the books of the Bible. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll deal with that in a second. <laughs> I can't get there right now. It's only, the, the other problem is that Habakkuk is a minor prophet, which means there's only three chapters, so it's only like a page and a half. So I, out of all these pages, I've got to hope I land on Habakkuk in a minute. Um, anyway, Chris, you're going to help me out, but Chris Brewer is our hero. He's helping us with the screen, um, so he's going to help 
Oh, thank you. He put it up here. Know that these words are in this Bible that I'm going to read in a few minutes. Um, Okay. Um, If you're lacking clarity in your life, you might lose the book of the Bible you're supposed to preach out of in front of everyone. Um, All right, so Habakkuk is a prophet. He started out as a musician in the temple. So people came to worship God once a week, and Habakkuk starts out playing the harp or like the harmonica or a flute or whatever. He was a musician in the temple that helped people to worship God. So that's what Habakkuk started out as. Then God calls him to be a priest. So he moves from being a musician and leading people in worship and praise and glory of God, just like Abby does every single week for us. He moves from that into being a priest. So he starts to teach and to shepherd the people of God who come to worship every single week. So he's telling them about what God's word says and what it looks like to be faithful people of God. So he becomes a priest. And then... God says to Habakkuk, I'm calling you beyond being a priest to something else. And this is why. Because he's a priest and he goes outside the temple doors and he sees all this injustice outside the temple doors. He sees people absolutely hurting. He sees people broken and in pain. He sees people not being treated fairly. He sees people hungry. He sees people drunk and addicted to alcohol. He sees so many problems when he opens the temple door. And God says to him, Habakkuk, this is what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to be a prophet. Prophets speak God's truth in times when the world is going awry. In the middle of pandemics and racism, in the midst of hate and political division, in the midst of of pain and suffering outside of the doors of the church, God calls up prophets, people of God, to speak God's truth. I don't know about you, but when I have heard God's truth the clearest in my life, it has been when I have been walking through dark and hard days. And sometimes that truth wasn't what I wanted to hear. Because often the reason I'm walking through dark and hard days is because some things in my life need to change. God calls up Habakkuk to speak truth to God's people who are not doing what they're supposed to. They are corrupt, they aren't leading well, they aren't doing what they're supposed to. And God calls Habakkuk up out of, of this to speak to them. So Habakkuk chapter 1, um, he can yes, perfect. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. This is what Habakkuk says. So Habakkuk complains to God. I go outside. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? How long do I have to go stand on the front steps of this temple and look out there at all the problems and tell you about them and you're not listening to me? How long, Lord, must I call out for help? How long do I have to cry out to you violence? Violence, people hurting each other out here. How long do I have to say that, but you do not save? Why do you make us look at injustice? Does it sound like these words could be written in 2021? Why are you, why is this the way you you are, God? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Why do you keep letting these people mess everything up? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. What this sentence means is there are some rules about what's right and wrong, but it's paralyzed and nobody listens to it. Everybody's doing whatever they want anyway. The law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. What's right and good never wins anymore, God. This is what Habakkuk says. The wicked hem in the righteous. 
So the wicked keep getting further and further ahead, and your justice is perverted because of that. This is what Habakkuk says to God. If there is something going on in your life and you've thought, I'm not sure if God can handle it. I'm not sure if I can talk to God about the pain and the suffering in my life right now. Listen to what Habakkuk said. He opens the temple doors and he said, day after day I look out at this city and I see just destruction and, and grief and pain, God. When are you going to do something about it? What I believe about you in my heart, God, isn't matching up with what is out here in the world anymore. And I don't know what to do with it. He basically has three problems, right? He says, God, you don't listen. You don't listen to your people. God, you don't care about me or your people. God, you don't care about us. And problem three, God, you don't do anything. You are a God who, I know you to be a God who's powerful enough to come down here and fix this, and you aren't doing anything. You aren't doing anything about it. Anybody felt like this lately? You want me to tell you something? I've talked to you guys. 95% of the people in here and in our community feel this way. God, what we believe about you isn't lining up with anything we're seeing in the world. There are people who want to grow their families, who can't grow their families, and we live in Hillsborough County that has the highest amount of children in foster care in the state of Florida. This doesn't add up, God. There are people in our hospitals who are dying. Our healthcare workers are overworked, God. The people whose purpose is to care for and lift up people, they are hurting, God. They are empty. Our businesses and our economy doesn't look like it's supposed to. Folks are victims of racism and homophobia and all the other things of hate in our world. God, things aren't adding up. They aren't adding up in my life and they aren't adding up in this world. 95% of the people that I talk to are just like Habakkuk. This is what they say. This is what they say to God. And Habakkuk has three choices. He can stay stuck in that pain and grief. He can go out there every single day and stand on that temple step and say, how long, God, do I have to holler out to you? That's Sandy Ridge. For how long do I have to cry out for you? That's, I was raised in Sandy Ridge, North Carolina. We say holler. How long do I have to yell out at you to change things, to move? How long? He can stay stuck in that prayer, in that pain and in that grief. He can stay stuck there for a while. God can handle that grief, lament, languish. God can handle it. And Habakkuk says that. His second choice, right? His second choice is to just take the easy road out. And there's two ways you can take the easy road out. When you are mad at God, when you look at something out in the world and you feel like you're mad at God, there are two things you can do the when you take the easy road. The first is just don't even believe God's there. God, this doesn't add up, so you must just not exist. You don't seem to care. You don't seem to listen. I'm not even going to bother to talk to you or ask you what you think. I'm just going to pretend like you don't exist. Or what some people who follow God do that's really harmful and hurtful to other people is just say, Oh, God, I know you work out all these things, and it's, it's fine. Whatever, everything happens for a reason, and it'll all be fine, right? And don't even engage in the hard piece, right? So you can take the easy road. You can stay stuck, which is what... A lot of people are in right now. We're in our grief and our pain. There's nothing wrong with that, but, but we have a choice. We can stay stuck or we can take the easy road and just pretend like God's not there, not even engage in a relationship, and, or just be like everything God does is perfect, right? Both of those are sort of the easy way out. 
Or the third thing, the third thing that we can do is listen, listen for God to give us clarity so that we can move. Here's the deal. Horizon Church is a movement. We started three years ago this weekend. Three years ago. We've literally moved from the place we started to worship to here. But we've moved in more ways than that. When the world asked us to close down because of COVID so that we wouldn't be spreading this disease all around, we, we went online. We moved when God asked us to move, when God was clear about the next decision that we needed to make. Then we worshiped outside in the middle of a field, chasing tents all over when the wind blew. We moved. And then God opened this middle school gym back up for us to be at in a community that we love, in a place that we love, and so we moved here. In every place the people of God have moved, we also have stories of people who moved from addiction and, and alcoholism and drug addiction to sobriety and recovery. We have stories of people who moved from places where their marriage was broken and they weren't sure they were going to make it anymore, and they moved from the brink of divorce to a healthy marriage. We moved from kids who weren't sure they were loved and who the world was crazy for outside, and they moved to a place where they know Jesus loves them and they have a purpose. If you feel stuck in your pain and your grief and your questions to God today, you are in the right place because Horizon Church doesn't sit back. We are a movement, and you bumped fists with somebody who's going to stand beside you and move you to the clarity of purpose that God has for your life. That is the purpose of this church. We started three years ago because that's what God asked us to do, and we're not stopping. Horizon Church is a movement. You are here for a reason because God is ready to move you beyond this question and into a clearer sense of your purpose so that you may live out what it is God wants you to do. You are not here by accident today. You are not here by accident. God has asked you to be here today because you are moving to a place of clarity where God can do something powerful in your life. We are a movement. Horizon Church is a movement. A movement. The third choice that Habakkuk had was to have faith. Habakkuk, his name literally means to wrestle, to embrace. Habakkuk literally means to wrestle. He wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. Even though I can't find it right now, this book is full. This book is chocked full of stories of people who are struggling, who are asking questions, who are having a hard time. It is chocked full of those, and it is filled with a deep truth that God has to speak to people. I don't know, I, I, I tell you, have some, morning, have some time in the morning when you get up and you read scripture and you pray, or have some time before you go to bed. It's because I believe these words are still speaking. When we feel like Habakkuk and we're crying out, how long, God, it is time to wrestle. It's time to open this thing up and start reading some stories and some truths from it. God is still speaking, and this is the way God speaks to us so often is through the words in the Bible. So you can stay stuck, you can take the easy road out, or you can move. You can just hold on for this ride that God is going to take you, take you on. I, I want to read Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. He's going to put it up. Um, Look at the nations and watch. So Habakkuk's made this complaint. God, how long? If anybody's here, Habakkuk's made the complaint. Some of the things that you feel in your heart, God has said that. And then he says, 
God says back to Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch. Look, open your eyes, have some clarity, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. Sometimes it's helpful if we remember that God's done this for us before. In what time have you been, if this is your first time in worship ever, I promise you there are some people sitting in here who God in the deepest, darkest, hardest moments of their lives said to them, look and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Even if God told you, if, you, if God would have told me that we were going to start Horizon Church and 17 months into it we were going to have to have COVID, I would have probably said no. I wouldn't have believed that. But we would have missed out on baptisms, people saying yes to Jesus. We'd have missed out on a woman at a small group saying, I need a church like Horizon that says everybody, everybody, every single person, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, is welcomed and called to God's purpose here. If we, would have, if we would have known the whole picture, we might would have missed out on some of this. Listen, listen to me, guys. God is going to be clear. He was really clear with Habakkuk. You need to have faith. And faith is defined in the Bible as, as, as believing in that in which you cannot yet see. All of us in here have something that God is asking us to take a clear next step for, but we have to have faith. Faith takes strength and bravery and courage like no other. It takes bravery and strength and courage like no other. Clarity, cla having clarity about having faith is not control. It does not mean you're going to get to control the outcome. You don't get to control the circumstances. You don't get to control what happens. Clarity is not control. Clarity is sim simply knowing what the next step is to take here. Look up and be amazed. I'm about to tell you something that you wouldn't have believed two weeks ago. That's what God says. Clarity is not control. Clarity is not fair. What God says, Habakkuk doesn't like to start with. Clarity is not fair. It may not mean, clarity may not mean you get your slice of the pie, your equal slice of the pie. Clarity is not always fair. Clarity is not always fair, but that doesn't mean you don't have faith and hold on for the next thing. And finally, clarity is not enough. Just knowing what the next step is, just being told is not enough. What do you have to do? You have to believe. You have to have faith. You have to hold on to that which you cannot yet see. A month ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop in East Nashville, in the heart of the place where the first church I attempted to start failed. And I looked across the table at a man who'd been a mentor and a coach in my life and in the lives of people that I loved for a long time. And I looked across the table at him and I said, this has been a really hard season to be a pastor. He and I work with and help coach some churches and how to grow healthier and be stronger. And I said, is the church going to survive this season? Is the church going to survive this season? And he took a sip of his coffee and he put it down on the, on the table and he looked at me and he said, as long as the world needs to be renewed, there will be a church. Because every person in the church is the hands and feet of God who is going to do something that we wouldn't believe even if we were told. And God is going to use you to do that. Your purpose, your purpose is to do something bigger in this world than you are doing right now.
It is to move to a place where God is going to do something that even if God told you right in this minute, you wouldn't believe it if you were told. And this world, this world needs people who are no longer stuck in just their grief and pain and language. God, God gives you room for that. Please grieve and, and share your pain and your language with God. It gives you a relationship with God. But then have faith that God is going to do something amazing. We have to take the next step, and that takes faith and courage. So I came back here, and I was like, you know what? I don't know what the church is going to look like. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be completely different than what I imagined or dreamed two, three years ago. But I have faith that as long as there is a world out there that looks like the world that we live in, there's going to be a church. As long as people need to be moved from the spot they are right now to a new place, Horizon Church that God called to, it, into existence is going to exist because that's what we are, a movement, moving people closer to the purpose of God. And you each have a purpose in that. The band's going to come up and play for us. We're going to have a time of communion. If you 